Welcome in to just another edition of Sportball. Nothing to see here, folks. I'm your boy, Sam. With me, as always, are four drinks by my side. Some people are saying that's a slow day for me. I was about to say that, in fact. <laughs> With me, I have my good friends, Seth and Kyle. I'm not even going to ask them how they are, since I you already know them bloviate for five minutes before we even started recording this podcast. I will say, Kyle, you have a nice OKC hat on today. Oh, yeah. That's all we'll say on the matter, though. <laughs> this episode, we're going to be covering the divisional round, previewing, you might say, the divisional round of the NFL. And we'll sprinkle in a little Siakam trade, a little Pascal Siakam NBA trade at the end. But we're saving it to the end because I canvassed the nation and all of our listeners. And most of them only want to hear NFL this time of year. And How long said, did that canvassing Ooh. take? For to get to all of our listeners, it was one sit down lunch with my coworkers. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. So we'll save that to the end, so you NFL listeners can can uh, log off at that time and go spend some time with your family. First, we're going to preview the divisional round of the NFL. Which is it the best weekend? And yet, maybe the best week. I was going to say is it the best weekend of the NFL, which I feel like it clearly is. And then, is it the best weekend in sports? Some people ask. Some I feel like we say had that. this I'm not sure exact why they say that. same conversation a year ago. <laughs> and it feels right, doesn't it? Well, and then you were like, I think, Sam, you were like, I think the first weekend of March Madness is the best. That and is then smart I me. said the second round of the NBA playoffs is my favorite. What did Kyle say? I don't recall. <laughs> if asked right now, Kyle. it's not necessarily a weekend. But I truly enjoy a, a sports equinox. It happens, mm. I think, like once, maybe twice a year. Once a year, probably. Yeah. We got like five different sports on all throughout the day. And you just get to bounce back and forth. We go baseball to hockey to basketball to football. Craziness. Yeah. So what time of year is that? Like... Like it's usually early, early fall, right? Isn't it? No, I guess it's April. It's well, opposite. no, it's fall. It's fall because uh, that's usually baseball oh. playoffs. Oh, yeah. It has to be football, right? Well, so there wouldn't be football in April. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend to plop myself in front of the couch and watching all these teams. We have um, the first game is is Texans at Ravens. That's at 3.30 on Saturday. The Ravens are favored by nine and a half. CJ Shroud. Has led the Texans to the second round of the playoffs, and some are saying that he's him. Uh, the Ravens have been sitting there waiting for whoever they they see on the other side as the one seed. Me personally, I'm kind of expecting the Ravens to start a little slow in this game and then pull away towards the end. Um, they do, you know, I love DVOA. People over in Belgium know I love DVOA, and the Ravens as a week seventeen, we we cut out week eighteen because they didn't start their starters. They were the third best DVOA team of all time in the history of the NFL. Is that good? What does that mean for us? I'm not sure, but I'll tell you what so- definitely means something. There was a report today that the Ravens eat 30 Uncrustables per day as a team. <laughs> and if that doesn't lead to a fir- <laughs> that doesn't lead to a divisional round win, I don't know what will. They might win the whole damn Super Bowl just off the backs of Uncrusties. So I'm going Ravens. The real question, though, the, the article or whatever, the host that mentioned that they didn't clarify are they going the superior grape on crusties mm. they better not be sprinkling in strawberry that's all i know i wouldn't think so i mean their team color is purple what the hell does that have to do with choosing it's just Celtics? logic Kyle. well grape is famously purple so well, that's like know. saying if they make the super bowl they're definitely gonna get purple gatorade poured on them and that's never the case i'm known to wager on such things from time to time and lose every time but I have the Ravens this game. Like I said, I think it's a slow start, but they end up winning and covering 28-17. You can book it. Kyle, you love C.J. Stroud. You love I've been Jackson. a I've been a believer in C.J. Stroud from way before the non-believers converted. You were a fan of C.J. Stroud when he was just a glimmer in his mother's eye. Early, early on NFL uh, offseason last year, we began our discussions for our dynasty draft as to who we're going to take. <laughs> and I, adamantly pounded the table for CJ Stroud over Bryce Young at that time. And you said, I don't know. 
I don't know. I wasn't. There's something about there's something about Bryce. I said he don't got it. I said you know who balls, C.J. Stroud, and In my defense, damn was I correct. in my defense, I'm always looking to defend the short kings first and foremost as He a ain't Packer. no king. So what what happened with your dynasty <laughs> team? I convinced Sam with Bryce Young still on the board to take C.J. Stroud. Nice. And the rest, as they And we say, rode is history. him to the championship where, unfortunately, we lost by like half a point. Because Jaron Hall <laughs> was started for the Vikings, but let's because not get Jaron into that. Hall started for an entire half for the Vikings. It's despicable. Literally, I agree. if he was taken out for three snaps in the first half in favor of Nick Mullins, we would have gotten it. Guaranteed. That's correct, <laughs> but we're not well, there. uh, you're not the first person on this Zoom call to be disappointed by the Vikings in heartbreaking fashion, so I feel for you. Thank you. That means a lot. Now, Kyle, you also covered Lamar Jackson and his Facts. run pass option. So who are you taking in this game? This is certainly a tough one. Obviously, we know. So here's the fallacy about rookie quarterbacks or first-time quarterbacks, their, their win percentage right in the NBA or the NBA, the NFL playoffs. If you think about it, and I haven't gone back to check specifically, but how many of those first-time quarterbacks do you think started in the playoffs due to the fact that the primary quarterback for their team got injured at some point during the season after they kind of already had that playoff berth locked up. Didn't that happen with Lamar Jackson himself? I think Did so. he Did not it? start a playoff game when, when Joe Flacco got injured? Or Did did he? Joe I don't Flacco know. just get benched? I can't remember. I'm just saying that was a, that was one of the biggest, I think things that I saw going into last week's game for the Texans was, Oh, first time quarterbacks in the playoffs historically don't win. We obviously know C.J. Stroud is just him. Um, Coleridge, Bernard, Timothy Stroud himself. Um, the man knows how to just dissect the defense. And I think it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, obviously, we know how good Baltimore's defense is. But I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. The only thing that I'm worried about is it sounds like A lot of people are pounding the Texans plus nine and a half, which does worry you a, a little bit, I think. But I also think they're, they're right. I think it's a close game. I don't think that – I think CJ is able to keep them in it through the fourth quarter, but I don't know if they're able to prevail. So I'm definitely going to take Baltimore to win the game. But you know damn straight I'm picking the Texans to cover that spread. Hmm. Uh, just to clear up what I said earlier. Uh, Lamar did become the Ravens starting quarterback in his rookie season after an injury to Joe Flacco. And he did in fact start a playoff game and he was the youngest to do so at 21 years old. Did they win that game? That's what I'm looking up right now. Cause I don't remember at all. Here we go. Okay. So, all right, blah, blah, blah. Wild card rematch against the chargers. The Ravens lost 23 Well, there you go. Proves my point. Not really, but... <laughs> to 17. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Seth, who are you taking in this game? I know that perhaps you weren't following CJ Stroud since he was able to take his first steps, but you've been a fan of his as well. And I know you've been a fan of the Ravens. Which way are you leaning in this game? I mean, obviously, Ravens are the huge uh, favorite in this game. And I do have Lamar Jackson in our little playoff fantasy league. But I'm already, like, basically at the bottom of that. So I've given up. Just kidding. But we'll see. I think out of all the four games we're going to be talking about that are happening this weekend, I think this is the one... where I could see the upset the most. Um, I mean, you could say Kansas City over Buffalo, which we'll get to, but I feel like that wouldn't even be that big of an upset because it's Kansas Short City. line, yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I could see that happening and just CJ Stroud doing his thing. Texans taking the momentum off of that first first round win. At the same time, you don't want to overreact to one game in the wild card. Um, 
But I feel like in past years, we've compared Lamar Jackson to James Harden with this kind of unique offensive talent. Yeah. The way that they've succeeded in the regular season, put up huge numbers, but not always back that up with playoff success. So if I'm like thinking about what is the narrative going to be coming out of this game, I could imagine it being Lamar Jackson, another playoff disappointment. CJ Stroud elevates himself into the next great quarterback. Again, I still think that's a bit of a long shot, but I could imagine it happening. So, you know, I wouldn't be one to like bet on the Texans, but if I had to pick an underdog this weekend, that's the team I'm picking. So you're picking the Ravens, to be clear? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a look at the other night, uh, one seed. This is a fun game. Packers at Niners. Uh, it's 720 on Saturday. Niners also a nine and a half point favorite. Uh, Jordan Love, I, I am here to inform you, is also him. Uh, and in fact, had nearly identical stats to CJ Stroud last week. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. Up the Cowboys. He had, they both had three touchdowns and were 16 of 21 passing. And one of them was 274 yards, one 276. I mean, you can't get any closer than that. Uh, the Niners, on the other side, in my opinion, are the best team in the league. Now, they, however, only have the sixth best DVO, DVOA all time in the history of the NFL. And wow. I've heard no reports of them eating Uncrustables. So Embarrassing. Um, I kind of expect them to just tear up the Packers defense under much maligned Joe Barry. And um, I kind of just going to ride this Niners to the Super Bowl this year, I, I think. So I'm going to pick them to blow out the the uh, Packers. I have the score at 40 to 21 in case I get it exactly right. Seth, are you also riding with the Niners in this game? You know it, baby. My preseason pick. Mm. Uh, what my Super Bowl pick from the preseason still alive. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But and what was it? Can you remind us? 49ers Bills. Thank you for asking. You're doing very well, um, as opposed to Bengals Seahawks. Yeah, or you know my usual pick of Vikings against anybody. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I we all hate the Packers here, so I'm not one to pick them, especially when they're going up against a buzzsaw like the 49ers. So. It does seem like the Packers have somehow done it again and immediately transitioned to another high-caliber quarterback, which is extremely frustrating. But I don't think Jordan Love is at the point in his career where he can lead this Packers squad past, again, one of the best teams in the league, if not definitively the best team besides the Ravens. So. Kyle, you have a look in your eyes like you're going to disagree with us and pick the Packers. I'm going to pick the Packers. It's just your, sorry, it's just your resting hot take look. Resting hot take face. <laughs> no, I hope more than anything that the Packers get absolutely destroyed. Sick of the Packers fans. Agreed. I, I mean. Can't agree more. Or honestly, we should be talking about what an absolutely horrendous job Dallas did like we should I, I just it, you had a good to great defense all year long playing man coverage and you decided to outthink yourself and decide to run zone coverage which you didn't do much of during the year and then not change it after you were down 21 nothing, like what halfway through the second quarter? I, I and then you also had CD Lamb who led the league in receptions. Yes, he ended the game with the, as the team leader in receptions, but he had, I think, like four targets through the first half. He was I don't know how mad you at don't... Dak after like the first throw. Yeah, what was going on with that? They were really off. Uh, like yeah. they couldn't he couldn't connect with them, but at the same time, it's like, who cares? Keep feeding him. You're gonna get there at some point. He's literally the only way that you're able to win for the most part. Jake Ferguson went off as he's been known to do as well. We've seen it this year, but again, it's like, I, I don't know how you do something so well during the year. And then you decide to say, you know what? We're going to switch it up. Why? 
it's it's another one of those coaches like what do coaches think I, i don't understand well and that's a coach dan quinn that's that's ironic you know that he's up for a he's interviewing for head coaching jobs and that's his interview right there this weekend that's a that's a failed first round interview i'd say with the way he handled that Packers offense and just got absolutely demolished by them. And how did the Packers or the Packers, how, how does Dallas already come out and say that Mike McCarthy is the coach next year? I know. What? Why? I Jerry Jones why. just has yep. this history of, he just sticks with his guys like eight years too long. <laughs> well, and don't you think Kyle, Mike McCarthy's kind of, seems like the yes man type that won't tread on Jerry's toes too much. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, easily. Yeah, he didn't like too much of an alpha personality talking back to him. I mean, he just oh, now made up. Mike McCarthy with, uh, has Jimmy major Johnson. beta energy, dude. <laughs> major. <laughs> he just made up right right now with with the Super Bowl winning coach Jimmy Johnson. You know, when he should have been in the Cowboys Ring of Honor years ago, and they just added him because they couldn't reconcile their differences. Like that's why I never really saw it as Bill Belichick going to the Cowboys, which was often rumored because. They would just butt heads so much, and and Jerry wants control, and Bill would want control. He, you know, Jerry just kind of needs a puppet. It, it feels like that's what he wants, but it's not what the Cowboys need, right? Like we see with a lot of organizations across sports, like, and I mean, how many how many years in a row have we seen this where Dallas looks pretty good, this is their year, and then just complete crumbling in the playoffs? And it brings up the question: I was reluctant to agree to this comparison in past years here we go. but here we go you know what i'm gonna say <laughs> but seeing how he's done in the playoffs is dak prescott just kirk cousins here we go <laughs> can't trust him i mean it certainly seems one and the same doesn't it he's like a just can't trust kirk him. cousins yeah but like what are you gonna do you can't really move off of him if unless you have a really, really good other solution. I mean, he's still a top half of the quarterback in the league. Not much yeah. to be done there, I feel. There is a... pretty sure he's a top ten quarterback still. I mean, yeah, right. I don't think there's a question about that. Right, exactly. In the regular so, season like, for sure, but yeah. And of course, like it wasn't all his fault that game. The defense was yeah, maybe the the first person or first unit we should blame but certainly his pick six and other interception did not help matters either. So, yeah, that's a mess over there with the Cowboys. Um, so, Kyle, you pick the Niners as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I, they're just way too good. You have way too many outs on the offense. Like, there's no way that the Packers could bottle up all the different facets that they have. I mean, it's just they're just too good. Agreed. Um all right, then we go to Sunday. At two oh five PM we have the Bucks at the Lions. I don't know what they what's up with these weird times on Sunday, but everyone set your schedules accordingly. Uh the Lions are six and a half point favorites. A little higher than I expected, to be honest. Um now I know they said CJ Stroud and Jordan Love are him. Could is Baker Mayfield also him? People are talking. I mean, he beat a despicable Eagles team, which we can talk more about, but he got it done to move into the second round of the playoffs. I mean, who's expecting to see the two South divisions represented in the second round of the playoffs and not the NFC East? A little surprising. Uh, The Lions, meanwhile, got their first playoff win in over 30 years. I love the vibes over there. Their coaching staff, I'm loving everything I'm seeing from Dan Campbell, from Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn. I think this is going to be a close game, to be honest. Um, I think the sphincters tighten a little bit at Ford Field when Baker Mayfield, you know, goes on maybe a few opening round scoring drives. I'm seeing in my mind, I'm just picturing Dan Campbell going for a huge fourth down to seal the game. Mm-hmm. Give me Lions 27-22. How does the team score 22? Not sure, but it's going to happen this Sunday. Kyle, do you agree with me that the Lions are going to get a win here? Um. Yes, I'm going to say that they're going to win, but I I do have concerns. Mainly, the biggest concern is Jared Goff's blitz versus blitzes and versus not being blitzed. Uh, 
when not blitzed, he's completing almost 71% of his passes uh, with 109 passer rating. Uh, second best behind Brock Purdy. When he's blitzed, though, that drops to 61% of his throws are completed with only a 78.4 uh, QB rating. Over the last 10 games, Tampa Bay is blitzing opponents on almost 50% of pass plays. So that's, you know, that's his biggest struggle is when he's faced with pressure like that. And we know that the Bucks are tremendous at generating that pressure. So if he can overcome that, I think they win. I think the big benefit is to him being at home and his home and road splits obviously are very stark as well. So I'm going to lean to Dan Campbell and Jared Goff getting it done against the Blitz, but I will say I'm slightly concerned. Kyle, I mean, is there the a blitz, single? I was just going to say real What's quick, him? just talking about the Blitz, it just seemed like Philadelphia wasn't ready for that all at all last week. Yeah, like, talk about teams like, that just crumbled. <laughs> they were like, they're like, I've never seen a Todd Bulls blitz before. This is weird. How could we be prepared for this? Absolutely despicable. Yeah, that was despicable. Is there a single person outside of Tampa Bay proper who's cheering for the Bucks in this game in the country? Probably not. Maybe Justin Bargas. parents. Justin Bargas. Mm, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> did not think we were going to get a Justin Barger. He was talking about it at basketball. Oh, okay. Mm. Yeah, so Justin Barg and Baker Mayfield's mother and father, I think, are your are your three. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I like Baker. I Ever since newer. his rookie year when Sam and I drafted him in the ESPN Fantasy Focus Show League. Um, How would you like him after that experience? He basically single-handedly submarined our team. Didn't he not have he a did. career year as a rookie? Didn't he throw for the most passing touchdowns for a rookie? No. Are you sure? Or did we get him his second year? He must have had him I don't second think it was year. his first year, yeah. Okay. Anyways, I always liked him. I liked his swagger. I liked the TV commercials. But you just can't help but love this Lions story and just everything about the team. Um, And they're the rare in division team that I don't actively cheer against. So yeah, I think they'll pull it out and it's going to be quite the matchup against San Francisco in the conference championships. Did you hear that story about David Montgomery after the, after the lions game, Mm-mm. it was sometime during this week, he was out at the gas station getting gas in his car. And uh, mm-hmm. some lady walked up to him crying and was thanking him for, the success of the season and gave him a big hug or he gave her a big hug then and said, thank you for believing in us. So, I mean, they just have it over there. Yeah. The vibes. Yeah. Just like Seth says, like for some reason, I just can't root against the lions, even though they're a division rival, but there's something about them. It's like a sport. Obviously they have my son, Amon Ra. So right. Our son, you watch your mouth. The sun Um, God. Can we can we say a quick goodbye to the Rams? Whomst was quite a fun uh, story this year with the emergence of Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams on the offense, and Sean McVay just kind of willing this team to the playoffs despite I think their over under was like six wins coming into the season. We, I I brought this up, didn't I? We talked about this before the season started uh, that this was a possibility, right? That their defense wasn't as bad as everybody was making it seem as long as those young guys in the secondary stepped up just a bit and they did enough. Obviously they weren't a great pass defense, but you saw it Aaron Donald who obviously garners so much attention and then they had a formidable, you know, rest of line to be able to get enough pressures on quarterbacks. Uh, And then that offense was just as good as we expected. I mean, uh, I don't know what podcast I was listening to, but they were essentially talking about um, uh, Jesus Christ. Stafford. Cooper Cup. Oh. Stafford. Stafford <laughs> is like... They were talking about, about Jesus Christ, Christ on the podcast? Yeah, Jesus Christ himself. Um, but Matthew Stafford is a shoe-in Hall of Famer, right? Mm. He's got to be. 
Super he's, Bowl champion. He's quarterback like, the three greatest receiver seasons in NFL history. Three? Right? I mean, yeah. Calvin Johnson's, and then those records were broke by Cup two years ago, and then the best rookie season of all time with Puka mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, I think he's in for sure. You know, it feels like <laughs> I feel like some of the players that get in, I'm like, I didn't even really feel them when they were playing. Like, I didn't like think about them at all when they were playing. I didn't feel as if they were one of the best. I feel like Stafford has legit been one of the best quarterbacks in the league in his time. And I think he's very deserving to be in the Hall of Fame for sure. I think, I think Kyle, what you're saying, we talked about before the season. I think we talked about that the Rams and the Bucks have a lot of holdovers from their Super Bowl teams and a lot of talent still and could be better than people think. So I think we should just give ourselves a pat on the back for that, you know? Definitely myself, yeah. They say for <laughs> they say for every Bengals Seahawks Super Bowl prediction we get one right. So I didn't predict C- Seahawks to the Super Bowl. I just projected predicted them to win the division or the uh, the conference, whatever. Saying. The division. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last game, the marquee game. Chiefs at the Buffalo Bills. Bills are a two and a half point favorite. Vegas is saying I think these teams are even, and the Bills have home field advantage. Five thirty-five p.m. Sunday. Clear your schedules. In my opinion, it's kind of funny because I think these are the two worst teams that these two like. These are the two worst teams that these two guys have brought in to these matchups. Like we get Chiefs Bills every year, and this is the worst I feel about both teams going to this matchup than I can remember thinking in the past. Obviously, they're the two and three seed, but I don't have much faith in either of these teams. Like, I don't, I wasn't really thinking of either of them as serious Super Bowl contenders coming to the playoffs, and they could certainly change my mind. But the vibes. The Bills were a a punt return touchdown away from being what, the seventh seed? Right, exactly. And the Chiefs, as we've lamented all season, their offense has been in shambles. Usually, when these two match up, it's like, okay, the winner of this is winning the Super Bowl, or, you know, at least going to the Super Bowl. I'm not sure that's the case this year. Um, the Chiefs crush Miami in the freezing cold. Everyone knows Dolphins can't swim in ice, and the Bills crush the Steelers, but they didn't. You know, I guess crush is a strong word. It was a pretty close game. They didn't look too dominating, and kind of all week I've been thinking I was going to pick the Bills in this game. But today I woke up. Today I woke up. First of all, I woke up feeling dangerous. Second of all, like every I day. woke up and I said I think I'm going to pick the Chiefs, but I want you guys to sway me. Seth, who are you picking in this game? Uh, I've got the Bills, obviously, like I said earlier, preseason Super Bowl pick, so I'm not going to abandon them now. I mean, yes, it's been a rocky season, but I feel like they've been turning it around. You know, they finished the regular season winning three out of their last four games. Obviously, the last game lost to the Jets is a little questionable. Or is that? I might even the first game of the season when they lost to the Jets? Exactly. So <laughs> starting over, I'm looking at their schedule backwards. I was like, that doesn't make sense. So like I was saying, they had an incredible finish to the season, winning five straight games, including beating the Dolphins the last game of the season to secure the second position in the playoffs. So you can say, like, I don't feel confident in them, but you could also say they're red hot after uh, an up and down season. So and just looking at the way Josh Allen played against the Steelers, and yeah, I get a little concerned sometimes with him trying to play hero ball, and that's when you end up with mistakes that are unnecessary. Um, but just the way the Chiefs' offense is looking, I have more confidence in the Bills, even if Josh goes rogue a little bit, taking it to the Chiefs. Plus, I just feel like they're so motivated after the Chiefs have kind of had their number in the playoffs the last several years. So I feel like this is the time where they break through now that the, the Chiefs are not what they were at their peak. Kyle, the defense rest. We'd like to hear the prosecution now. Offensively, they may not have been what they've been in the past. And... Honestly, I think a lot of that really just has to do with kind of the secondary players, right? We saw the emergence of Rashi Rice this year, and specifically in the second half of the year, 
when he essentially became a full-time player, he really took off. He was a stud last week against Miami. Uh, he was a stud anytime he was on the field this year. Kelsey seemed to have a case of the drops last week. Um, I don't expect that to be something that continues, right? He's been there. He knows how it works. He knows how to get it done. Uh, it shouldn't be negative 30 degrees again. Um, Patrick Mahomes this year leads all quarterbacks in yards lost to drops with 362. <laughs> so as long as he stops trying to throw to uh, anyone not named Kelsey or Rice or Pacheco, um, I feel good about the offense. But the one switch we've really had from the Chiefs this year is this emergence of arguably the best defense in the NFL. Now you can say it's the Ravens. You can say it's uh, San Francisco. But I think there is also a case for the Chiefs, and that's not something we've been able to say in the past. Um, and as you've noted, Josh Allen is not a stranger to throwing an interception or two, uh, especially in high leverage situations uh, when he doesn't choose to use his feet uh, on on a play. Um, Legereus Sneed needs to be said. That man, as uh, Tyreek put it after the game last week, uh, Legereus Sneed jammed his ass to Cancun. Um, <laughs> and... With no Gabe Davis to spread the field, Kincaid still hasn't really been a full-time player since Knox has come back two weeks ago. He's kind of reverted back to playing about 60% of the snaps, and obviously not all of those are are from uh, are, are receiving routes that he's running. There's a portion of that as well that goes into blocking. So Shakir has looked better, right? I think he he just doesn't garner the targets. Gabe Davis didn't really garner all the targets that we kind of expected him to. Shakir's not as much of a field stretcher. And I really think Sneed can do a really good job at handling digs. That defense is a, a another level of um, nasty, especially when it comes to getting to the quarterback as well. So if if the Bills were to win, it's going to have to be Josh Allen hero ball, which I can't say that I'm confident about against this defense. And then obviously Patrick Mahomes has been there. He's already eighth all time in quarterback playoff wins. Somehow he only has 12, I guess, that's but nuts. that's eighth all time. And how many seasons What is he in his fifth season now? Sixth, something like that. I don't know. So give me, give me the chiefs. Um, defense is going to win it. I think for them, but yeah. uh I'm also – I'm not concerned about the Bills' defense. I don't think their defense has really been that great. Um, it's really been on the back of Josh Allen. And, yeah, they essentially had to win out to make the playoffs, but it's not like they had – I mean, their best win was against Dallas. Outside of that, did they really have too much of a challenge in terms of opponents? I guess the, the Dolphins team that kind of sealed it for them to, to, to get the second seed. But – even then, it didn't look like they were going to win that game until, like I said, they had a punt return touchdown, which gave them the lead. So, I mean, it must be said they've already beat the Chiefs once this year. So, I right, certainly can't do it twice. I guess we'll find out. Um, man, great arguments from both of you. I think as of this taping, I'm leaning Chiefs. I think Kyle's point is valid that I think the Chiefs defense is the best unit in this game. Um, but this is the first time they've matched up in the playoffs in the Bills house, you know, and that, that's gotta mean something. Right now I'm leaning Isn't Chiefs. it the first time isn't it the first time Patrick Mahomes has ever played a road playoff game? Yes. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> when he's eighth <laughs> all time in playoff wins. It's like isn't the Sometimes, Super Bowl technically a road playoff game? No, it's neutral site. No, neutral site. But it's not at home. That's right. Well, I'm assuming for this stat, they they count it as neither. An, <laughs> an away game. Some of the stats yeah. about Mahomes are just like stats you hear about Jordan where you're like, oh. So it was just that crazy. Yeah. But um, 
I'll tell you what I am on, and that's Josh Allen anytime touchdown and Kelsey anytime touchdown. You can lock those both in for this game. All right. DraftKings. You can find that. Lock in Pacheco as well. Huh? Lock in Pacheco as well. You might want to sprinkle Pacheco two plus. I'm not gonna tell you no. Uh Pacheco and Allen two plus has to have some juicy odds, dude. Let's pause the podcast right now. Yeah, I'm just gonna look at it right now. Put my mortgage on it. Uh, I'll just tell you what it is. Yeah, go ahead. While you're doing that, I did want to talk about, I did want to rank the quarterbacks in the divisional round because last night as as I was trying to fall asleep, I tried to rank the quarterbacks in this round and I got through, I got through three of them and then I fell asleep. It was like counting sheep. Uh, The top three are obviously Mahomes, Allen, and Lamar, I would say. And I think CJ Stroud's nipping right on their heels. That's why I have him at four right now. I mean, he's, great it's his first season so we'll see i have then i have the next tier of jordan love and jared goff and brock purdy i don't really know how to order those guys kind of feels weird like jordan loves a rookie you know not a rookie but basically a rookie first year player not sure what he's going to be yet and then purdy and goff both feel like if they're in the right scenario if they have a great team around them and great coaching you know they can lead your team deep in the playoffs and I think Purdy might be a little better than Goff, but I'm not really sure because he's under Kyle Shanahan. It's hard to tell. And then I have Baker in a little tier by his own, but he's not that bad. Like, we have eight great quarterbacks left. I mean, it is one of those things. We talk about this all the time, how hard it is to evaluate quarterbacks independent of their system. Like, am I sure that if you put Baker Mayfield on the Niners, he'd be worse than Brock Purdy? Absolutely not. He might be better. So. But I think overall your tiers are fair. Thank you. I'm just glad gone are the days of having to watch AJ O'Connell or whatever his name is. Aiden Aiden O'Connell. Yeah. Thank you. Aiden O'Connell, Jake Browning, sneaky liked him. But, you know, Josh Dobbs, Rip. The like of them, we have eight great quarterbacks to watch this round. I'm excited. Kyle, I do also want to know two things here. Give me the last time. Well, I'll do it in reverse order. I think it's important to note too the last time during the regular season when the Bills did play the Chiefs, the Chiefs didn't have Pacheco, they also didn't have Tranquil on the defense, and I think there was a couple other players that were out that game. So, different matchup here. Second. Two touchdowns, two anytime touchdowns for Josh Allen and two for Pacheco, plus 4,000, baby. Damn. I got to make a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, NFL people, goodbye to you. Be safe tonight. Hold your families close. NBA time. Pascal Siakam finally got traded. Let's go. After a year of rumblings. The deal is as such. The Indiana Pacers traded for Pascal and receive him along with a second. The Toronto Raptors, in return, get Bruce Brown, Jordan Noara, Kyra Lewis Jr. from the Pelicans and three first-round picks. The Pelicans entered in to give away Kira Lewis, and in, in response, they received cash considerations, garnering them an A rating, an A grade, on ESPN, and I'm not sure why you get an A for just getting cash, <laughs> but they did well in this deal, apparently. What Seth, happened to Kyra you... Lewis, dude? I feel he had so much promise. But don't you I prefer thought... cash? Cash is king. ESPN does, apparently. <laughs> Seth, how do you like this trade? Do you do you like it more for one team, or, or do you like what both teams did here? I think I do like what both teams did. I think with the three first-round picks and quality rotation player with with Bruce Brown I think Toronto got a a decent to good haul for Siakam um I think we're all kind of on the same page that Siakam is like a a very good third option on a contending team um and so that's a great player to have he's he's very good we saw it when they won when Toronto won the um the finals right right that's exactly what he was yeah and but i don't think he's like 
like a foundational piece, your, your one or two foundational piece um, to build your team around, which he kind of was in Toronto at this point in their retooling phase. So I think it makes sense to, to get off of him, build for the future. Still got, like I said, a, a quality replacement in the short term with Bruce Brown and then potential in the future. And then for Indy, Indy was kind of stuck in the middle of the Eastern Conference. This helps them elevate that a little bit. I'm watching them play as we speak against the Kings. Pascal not playing yet, even though I did see Bruce Brown already playing for Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously Indy has their foundational piece with Tyrese Halliburton and then many quality players around him. So I don't think Siakam will be asked to do too much. Um, hopefully Siakam's three-point shooting, which he's been hot from deep lately, hopefully that'll continue and he will at least be an average or slightly above average three-point shooter and will be getting good looks thanks to Tyrese. Um, I know, Sam, you talked about I don't want to clog up the lane for Halliburton's drives and everything, but I think he can be at least to the point where defensive ha defenses have to respect him from out there. So I like it for Indiana as well. Kudos to them for kind of going for it and um, not being overly patient and realizing, hey, Halliburton is elite right now. Let's give him some players so he can at least start to compete in the Eastern Conference right away. Yeah, what about the Raptors side of things, Kyle? Do you like the return they got for Pascal? Yeah, definitely. I mean, three first-round picks obviously is huge on a team that we'll say is rebuilding, um, but I like I liked the approach that they're taking uh, here in terms of kind of resetting everything and starting from scratch. Uh, it started with that OG trade, um, right? Everyone was like, oh, they're asking for three or more first-rounders for OG. Oh, they didn't get it. They should have sold them earlier, but I think their aspirations were we don't need every single pick to be a first rounder. We don't need it, you know, uh, 30 first round picks like the Thunder. We have a foundational piece, right, in Scotty Barnes. We've seen him grow immensely this year as kind of being the primary guy. And then you added a, a younger guard in Emmanuel quickly, who probably wasn't getting as much opportunity as he should have been in New York. And we've seen him be stellar so far uh, in his short time now in Toronto. RJ Barrett seems to have found new life. Um, he's been phenomenal as well, especially offensively. He's been extremely consistent. So now choosing to get rid of Siakam, also getting back, uh, you know, Bruce Brown, who probably slides into the starting lineup like that for them. Um, and then now they get those first round picks that they were kind of expecting to get from one of these two players. Um, I, I like what they're doing a lot up there in the north. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, to even see Toronto this year at a minimum squeak into the play in tournament. Sure. I kind of like what they did where they, they nabbed a couple players to use now in, in, in Emmanuel and RJ and kind of build around Scotty. And now that they got those players, they said, okay, we kind of filled out what we want our lineup to be right now. Let's get those picks in the door so we can, you know, make some more moves. And I think they could, they could choose to keep Bruce Brown or they could choose to try to flip him. Uh, isn't Bruce on a one-year deal or is he on a two-year? He's on one year, isn't he? With it might a be a player option though. But there's a bunch of contenders that would like to rent him for the playoff run. I, there could be a little Bruce Brown bidding war, or BBBW, as it colloquially called it, uh, to try to get him in-house. I mean, they could get a first for him, honestly, if they if they want to flip him. They could just keep him. He's a good – he's a nice culture guy. A nice... I don't know if you're getting a first-rounder for Bruce Brown. In the BBBBW, you don't think you are? No. I think you get maybe protected, you know, heavily protected first. We'll see. But I think, you know, he would he would look nice on a few contenders like, you know, Philly. Like, what if OKC takes a stab at him? These teams that might want one more piece for a playoff run. But either way, even if they don't flip him, that's a good that's a good asset to have regardless moving forward. What do you guys think about 
the ceiling of Indiana after this? Do you think the ceiling's the roof at this to, point? <laughs> do you think you're more likely to pick them to win a first round playoff series, depending on the matchup? I am. Yeah. So as Seth alluded to, uh, the the Siakam shooting, and I know you said you were worried about his ability to stretch the floor. And obviously this isn't going to continue at this rate, but over his last 19 games, he's shooting 47% from three. Now he has a career 34% three-point shooter. 33% I think I saw. career. 33%. Yeah. So maybe we're in a sort of Siakam three-point revelation here, and he is able to increase that to even say he gets up to 37%, which I, mean, I think is almost the average of the entirety of Indiana as a whole, it might even be 38% at this point. <laughs> I mean, you said he's shooting 47% recently. He's still on 32% for the year. So imagine how bad he started off shooting. He's probably hey, just players are in cold. Out. Players have cold streaks. You know, they have hot he doesn't streaks. He not have any hot ones. He's in a hot streak right now. 47% three <laughs> over That's 20 games. Cool almost. Again, I, I expect him to be a little below but, league but, average. But how many of those shots over his last 19 games have been wide open threes because right, I'm sure he's going to get a lot more of those now on this team. And the, I think the other thing that really should be talked about with the Pacers is, um, and I'd have to go and look, obviously I don't do any research before we talk about these things. Uh, I just go off the cuff, but the Pacers defense has had at least at a minimum a slight improvement with the addition of Neesmith into the starting lineup over the last few weeks with Halliburton out. That's what I think is big about this departure to Bruce Brown of Bruce Brown is I'm pretty sure Neesmith now slides in to their starting three spot, which I think is, I think he's one of the, probably one of the more underrated defenders in the league. Um, He's really good. And I think he kind of can act as somewhat of a defensive anchor, someone that can guard the best player on another team, at least as long as that best player is not a a five or probably even a four. But one through three, I think he's great defensively. And having that uh, in the starting lineup, playing more minutes is going to be huge for them. I also think it's interesting to note there was a, an article from The Athletic that came out where Siakam listed – the one player he really wanted to play with if he were to go play with someone else was Kevin Durant. If it wasn't Kevin Durant, number two on his list was Miles Turner. This was from like a year or so ago. He said he's the perfect stretch five. He thinks that would be able to complement his game. Mm. And I do think, you know, that it's really interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a really great two man game between Halliburton and Siakam I think there's going to be even more wide open threes in that uh, coming from that offense. Now we've seen what they've been able to do with who they had. And now you add a player that has the, uh, I'll call it the pedigree that Siakam has. He's won a championship. He's been there. He's played with Kawhi and now he gets a younger player in Halliburton to play with. And I think he's able to bring some um, experience that maybe the rest of the Pacers didn't have obviously Bruce Brown was just there, you know, a year ago with Denver, but I don't know if he, he doesn't have the, uh, the length in the NBA or the, the tenure in the NBA that Siakam has. So all around, I, I like to trade a lot for both teams. I really think that whoever ends up playing Indy in the first round of the playoffs is not going to want to play them. Yeah. Seth, right now the Pacers are the seven seed. So they'd be playing the Bucks. Obviously, we expect them to make and they destroy the Bucks, dude. (laughs) The Bucks have to be shivering in their boots. They might lose out, so they don't have to play them. I kind of expect them to make a little run with with Siakam on this team here. I would not pick them against the Celtics and the Bucks, against the Cavs, against the Knicks. I might think about it against the Sixers. I mean, who's guarding Tyrese on the Sixers? That makes you which way are you? The battle with Tyrese questioning that, yeah. Are you oh asking? God, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I meant Halliburton. I mean, they have Neesmith, you just said, Kyle. They can guard Maxi with Neesmith. Yeah. What do you think? Can you, slow him down. you feeling a little, little punchy, a little, a little Indiana Pacers second round appearance? I mean, don't talk dirty with, to me about picking against the Sixers in the playoffs. <laughs> That's nothing gets me more excited. 
And you said they're in seventh, which is very true, but the East is just so bunched up. Like they're a game and a half out of fourth. (laughs) So who knows like how, how it all will shake out. It could just as easily be, you know, a four or five matchup against the Knicks or something like, that one I would have trouble. So, I would kind of love the Knicks too. The Knicks are yeah. a different, are the same animal, but a different beast with uh, with OG in this lineup, dude. Right. There's something else. Mm-hmm. Dante DiVincenzo has been teams as well right? playing out of his mind. That would too. be kind of a fun matchup with OG against Siakam, former teammates, both traded in the same season. Um, I'll tell you what. Yeah, I mean Pacers, Cavs first round, Pacers sweep. I'll tell you that right now. What do you have against the Cavs? They've been balling. Can they keep it I up didn't... when Garland's back and when Mobley's back? Or is that just going to mess up the... You know I'm a Mobley hater, registered. I, honestly, hot take, better without Mobley. I honestly forgot he was injured. Like, I remember today. I was like, oh, wait, they're going on this run with him out. People were asking, Kyle, is Isaiah Mobley the better brother? <laughs> It's like asking, is the Nasus Antetokounmpo the better brother? Or like, is Seth Curry the better brother? Did you see the Nasus kicked Giannis's nose the other day, mid-game? Kicked it? Well, yeah. Justin's been known to pick Seth's nose from time to time. That's no, he's no stranger to that. That's, we're not talking Philly here, but that's brotherly love, all right? <laughs> all right, well, I have no more thoughts on this trade. I like it for both teams. That was a little division round preview and a little NBA at the end for any of you NBA diehards out there like us. It's been another pleasure on the Sportball Pod. Kyle, once again, in this new year, new us, we're looking for you to send off the listeners with something to worm into their ears over the weekend. Coleridge, Bernard, Stroud, the fourth. Might just shock the world this weekend and do the damn thing against Baltimore. Amen. Place your bets. <laughs>